Welcome to the JMD podcast, the companion podcast to the Journal of Inherited Metabolic Disease. I'm James Nurse, a paediatrician and social media editor, and every fortnight I invite journal authors to take me through their work, adding some more of the stories behind the research. So settle in to learn more about gene therapy and maple syrup urine disease. Hello there. I always find it incredible when we manage to find topics that haven't featured in podcasts before. But in an ever-growing field with over 1,500 diagnoses, it's safe to say we've plenty to cover. However, today we're looking at maple syrup urine disease, a condition that's one of the better-known ones, but like so many, treatment is still suboptimal. So it's a pleasure to hear about new insights as we discuss the paper, Successful Treatment of Severe MSUD in BCK-DHB Knockout Mice with Neonatal AAV Gene Therapy. And talking about the paper, we have Dr. Manuel Schiff and Clement Pontoiseau from the Necker Hospital Reference Centre for Inborn Errors of Metabolism. Uh, Manuel and Clement, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. Thank you. Hi. Thank you very much. So I think that MSUD, possibly because of its name, is one of those metabolic conditions that many clinicians have heard of. It doesn't actually have anything to do with maple syrup, or does it? It does have to do with maple syrup, and it was described like that because of the odor of maple syrup of not only the urines of the patients, but all the secretions. And in acute decompensation, the uh, toxic compounds that accumulate are very volatile and there is this specific smell that was originally described as like maple syrup. Okay, so it smells like maple syrup, but what does it actually cause? So clinically speaking, I would say it's a very rare disorder and it's difficult to have a precise evaluation of the frequency. But for instance, in a country like France, there is about 150 known MSUD patients and in our Paris Necker Center, we follow 50 plus of these patients. And clinically, most of the time, those patients are expressing their disease shortly after birth. That is to say, between one week and two weeks of age after this, they exhibit acute neurological deterioration with coma. And it's a very severe disease with coma and abnormal peripheral hypertonic movements, which are called boxing or pedaling. And this coma reflects the neurological toxicity of the accumulated compounds. One thing that should be mentioned is that in many countries, and in France, it's been implemented very recently, there is newborn screening for MSUD. But in very severe early onset disease, newborn screening cannot always pick up the patients or the results come after the patient has been diagnosed. So in maple syrup urine disease, an enzyme is dysfunctional, the brain chain alpha ketoacid dehydrogenase, BCKDH, which is involved in the catabolism of brain chain amino acids. And when this enzyme is dysfunctional, there is accumulation of the upstream compounds so brain chain amino acid and alpha keto acids. And some of them are neurotoxics, such as leucine or alpha keto azogaparic acids, and their accumulation is responsible for the clinical signs we observe in maple syrup disease. And as I mentioned, the treatment is suboptimal, and like so many metabolic disorders, diet is pretty much the mainstay of current management, isn't it? Indeed. In terms of therapy, early intervention, most of the time with extra renal hemodialysis or hemodfiltration at the time of acute decompensation. In other words, in the neonatal setting allows to get rid of the toxic compounds and to save 
the patient life without neurological damages later on. Having said that, it's also true that there are two problems. First of, after this acute decompensation, you need to follow a very strict low-protein diet with a special amino acid medical food all lifelong, which means that patients can also exhibit acute decompensations in the setting of a flu or a surgery or any circumstances triggering catabolism, first of all. And second of all, we know that long-term follow-up of, of these patients is suboptimal. And it means that some of these patients may exhibit neuropsychiatric complications late in adulthood. That is why there is an unmet need in terms of, of long-term therapy. Before we move on to hearing how you're looking to address that unmet need, you're talking about working with mouse models here, and I'm always fascinated about how well these recapitulate the phenotype seen in humans. How does your mouse model shape up? Well, we can say that this mouse model recapitulates quite well the severe classical form of MSUD in humans. So we, we characterize new BCKDHB knockout. So knockout for one of the three genes involved in the mapotherapurine disease. And what we observe with these mice is that they die very early during the first week of life. And they show massive increases in the biological markers of mapotherapurine disease. So leucine and other brain chain amino acids and also of alpha-ketu acids. So the phenotype is very severe and with the characteristic pathognomonic uh, metabolic signature of the disease. Is the fact that you're using this knockout model with this very severe early lethality, is that a problem? I mean, do people work with mice that are engineered to have more common variants rather than a full knockout? Or is there no point? Is it, it's just my lack of knowledge showing here. It's a very good question. It's both an advantage and a disadvantage. Why is it an advantage? Because when you work in mouse model of human disease, it's always important to have a clinical phenotype in the mouse. And here we've observed that this mouse was faithfully recapitulating the early onset severe neonatal disease, which is the most frequent in human. But the disadvantage is that there's very little window for therapy. I think there are some new mouse model with common mutation corresponding to severe severe phenotypes, which have been developed by some companies. Okay. So obviously, you've got your mouse model. You also referenced two other gene therapy studies in MSUD mouse models. In fact, one of those was also your work. What's already known and, and how does this work differ? Yes. So there is three different genes which are involved in maple syrupurine disease. These genes code for different subunits of the enzyme BCKDH, uh, which is involved in mapersyrupine disease. And so in this article, we, we had new results about BCKDHB, but we have also developed in previous experiments the same type of approach for the gene BCKDHA, where we were able to show that in the knockout mouse model of the BCKDHA genes, which also recapitulates the severe early onset form of MSUD, we were able to uh, rescue the, the phenotype of these mice with gene therapy based on the AAV technology. 
So this new study in BCKDHB is an extension of the early work we performed for BCKDHA, but we extend this work to a second gene of maple syrup disease, so in BCKDHB, with similar results for both genes. So you mentioned similar results. So what, did, what was it that you did and what did you find? So we developed gene therapy based on the AAV technology to bring a new gene, the human gene of the mice, in order to rescue the uh, metabolite activity, which is defective in this uh, knockout. And we use the AAV with the third type A, aiming at targeting the liver and other tissues, such as heart and the muscle. And we built a transgene, which carries the human version of the BCKDHB gene under the control of an ubiquitous promoter, and we inject the mice at high dose at birth with this uh, construction. And we follow the mice after the injection. And we show that we were able to rescue the phenotype of the mice with survival at least of six months and with a near complete rescue of the accumulation of the metabolic compounds in the blood and with a normal phenotype for, for, for these mice. Is it survival at six months because that's when you stop looking or do we start seeing a deterioration after six months? So we sacrifice half of the mice at six months in order to perform uh, tissue analysis. And we keep some of the mice for a longer term study. And some of the mice, it's explained, died between six months and one year, but probably due to unrelated causes, not due to the decompensation of the disease. And we sacrifice two mice at one year where we stopped the study. So that's pretty exciting. You've got three studies, three therapies, three genes, and a lot of mice rescued. What's the pipeline like from here to patients? It's a very uh, crucial question, and we need to remind ourselves that there is a long road between the uh, identification of a successful AEV gene therapy in the mouse and the possibility to start with a clinical trial in the patients. Regardless, we think that it's a very important step because without the demonstration of of this proof of concept studies in mice, it's impossible to convince investors or industry to go for a clinical trial. But between now and the clinical trial, we as academic actors have to go on working, which we are doing now, with optimization of the AAV constructs and optimization of the promoters with also those finding studies. And after that, there's going to be the need for testing these gene therapy in non-human primates. So it's not only long, but also very expensive. And we are hoping that in the forthcoming two years, we will be able to be funded for those future expensive and difficult studies. But it's a nice story because we we didn't say that in the beginning, but uh, the rationale for testing this gene therapy in MSUD was first, like we discussed, the unmet need, but also the fact that liver transplantation is a cure of the disease in patients. So it's on the rationale for liver transplantation that we hypothesize that liver-directed uh, gene therapy would be successful in the mouse. 
And last but not least, we've encountered also a difficult issue which, which has to be solved, which is the following, is that there is a cell division in hepatocyte between birth and, uh, let's say, one month in the mouse. And when you try to correspond that to, to human, it's between birth and the age of 10 to 12 years. So it means that when you do perform liver-directed gene therapy in a neonate in the mouse, you're going to lose the transgene due to cell division and dilution of the transgene. So it's one point that we need to optimize because we've, we've observed full success with a ubiquitous promoter. And in human, we would like to target more specifically liver or muscle, for instance. And this is what we're going to do in the near future in the lab. Well, I hope when you do that, I'll still be around for you to come and talk to me about it. Sure. With pleasure. <laughs> we'll put it in the calendar now. If you would like to um, read this paper, please click the link in the podcast description or go to the journal web pages and search for successful treatment of severe MSUD with AAV gene therapy. And if you'd like to hear more from Manuel, you can hear him discussing betaine therapy in MTHFR deficiency just by having a look in our back catalogue. Manuel and Clement, thank you again for your time. Thank you, thank you James. Bye. And thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.